Hi, I'm Rain Barry, and from wherever you're listening to the Audio Wave Cafe podcast, I really do appreciate you joining me. Okay, I think that's enough for the chat. Coming up on this episode, my guest is Dean Harrison, better known as Hazza. He's the keyboard player with Scarband, the Rough Cuts. First, I'll bring you music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on iconic album Synchronicity by The Police. And I also get to play Tommy Tenmen, an original song by The Rough Cuts. We should move on. Coming up, I've got a few music news items for you. Rapper and record producer DJ Khaled was left in agony recently following a surfing accident off Miami Beach, Florida. The thing is, he wasn't on a surfboard. He was on an e-foil, which is an electric pad board that comes with a battery and propeller, which lifts the board above the water so you don't need wind or waves. I've got to get me one of those. Maybe one I'm down in Cornwall. Then again, maybe not. I'm just too damn old. Moving on. Apparently, Ed Sheeran would like to transition to country music, saying he loves the culture and the brilliant songs. He credits Taylor Swift for turning him onto the genre. Bless him. He even listens to a UK-based country music station when he's home all day. Also, Rod Stewart says he's turning to jazz in his old age. That's a good move. You know, I'm waiting for Elton John to turn on to hip-hop, and I'll pay good money to see that. The Recording Academy of the United States oversees the Grammy Awards, and I've just updated its guidelines regarding AI-generated music, stating that a work that contains no human authorship is not eligible in any category, but some AI-generated elements will be considered, as long as the human creator has added meaningful contribution to the music. Well, that's only fair. I think more music-related bodies will follow the example of the Grammys. It's as it should be. The scope of total AI-generated music needs to be monitored. Well, that's where I think. Finally, Noel Gallagher has admitted that American audiences' response to new songs with his high-flying birds band has been terrible. Currently on tour with Garbage in America, he's obviously upset about how songs from the album Council Skies is going down. Happens to most bands, Noel. Don't worry. When you're soon on tour back in the UK, I think the audience reaction will be much more positive. If not, maybe you should consider turning on to country music. You can find yourself on tour with Ed Sheeran. Think about it. My guest on this episode is keyboard player Dean Hazza Harrison of Stoke on Trent Band, The Rough Cuts. Many thanks for joining me on this call. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Ray. Um, looking forward to having a word with you. What's live music scene like in Stoke on Trent? Not as good as it was, but I think saying that's probably general. I could generalise that across the country. I think. I think since COVID, a lot of venues are struggling to get people come back out, which in turn. Obviously, they can't pay the musicians, so they get less bands touring. So the scene sort of dies off a bit. So I think prior to COVID, it was quite good. Since COVID, it's not as good in terms of, yes, people turn out to watch us kind of thing. It's hard to get the amount of shows that you would have had before, just because, as I say, people have got into a habit, I think, of not going out during COVID. And obviously, the venue then can't stay open as many nights as they want, and they end up on a slow decline, and then closing yeah it's a bloody shame that is it's the same in coventry and rugby and Leamington around here i think it's something that the councils and the government are going to have to look at because you know we're losing pubs 
like to get out of fashion and we use it losing music venues pretty soon the nightlife well who knows where it's going to end up yeah absolutely how many members are in your band seven at the moment <laughs> freaking heck well the reason we've got seven when we started the band there was lots of ska bands about at the time and they were sort of aiming for a more like poppy sound which was which was fine you know that's what they wanted to do but we always wanted that more angry edge but like like the specials so we always said we would always have two guitars so we've got that lead guitar sound as well as the offbeat guitar and we wanted a saxophone so so obviously drums bass where they added up to seven so we've pretty much always been a seven piece or sometimes an eight piece but never less than a seven piece i don't think yeah um what kind of music do you play we do all his own stuff our version of score original scores completely different to what two-tone was and third wave scores completely different to what two-tone was and our version is another take i suppose on the two-tone mixed with a bit of punk soul and just all the influences that we like kind of but it's yeah it's uh the biggest influence definitely in the music i think is like the two-tone sound but we don't do a copy of the two tones. <laughs> we don't do covers. You don't play any covers at all? If we play a cover in the set, we might do one. And it's never like a popular cover. We never do like, we never do Gangsters or like Too Much Too Young. Too Much Too Young is one of my favourite ever songs, but I don't want to ever play it because you're never going to do, you're never going to do the better job than the specials did of it. So we always play our favourite tracks. Normally we play album tracks. So if we do a cover of a song, we'll do an album track or at least a track we don't think anyone else has ever covered. We won't go for a hit song as a cover. We'll go for something that we like that's off an album. Yeah, so we always tend to do that. We've done a few um, covers recording for the Specialised Project. We started with loads of bands doing specials covers for raise money for Teenage Cancer Trust. So that's the only time really we've done any covers. That's a very good thing to do. Yeah, the guy, one of our mates, Paul Willow, he's, he started it off. He wrote the book on the specials. He got specialised up and running. And it's, I, don't know, I don't know how many albums he's done now. It must be five or six at least. And yeah, it goes really well. Gets a lot of big celebrities involved in it and stuff. And obviously raises some money for some you know, good important cause. Yeah, that's great. I've interviewed Paul. Have you? Yeah, for a podcast. Yeah. What do you think is the enduring appeal of ska music? Well, first off, danceable, isn't it? The danceability is there. It's catchy. It feel good. It's strange music because um, as well as being feel good, at the same time, it can deliver a really dark message. When it first came out and we were all kids in 79 or whatever, you know, got into the specials and the selector and madness and whatever. At the time, when you first did it, it was the danceability and the energy that grabbed you. And then from that, you started getting into the lyrics and then you got the message that it was about as well so initially it was the the hook of the music that got you the uh, instant appeal yeah yeah i can see that apart from the specials what bands have inspired your music i think everyone in the band will have different influences but i think most of us will definitely cross over on quite a few we, we all like I say love the specials the whole two-tone movement um 77 punk like bands like the sex pistols um, like Blitz as well, all that kind of 77 punk, new wave, um, and soul. A lot of us are into like Northern Soul as well. So yeah, I think everyone in the band will have slightly different influences, but we've all got common ground on what, what sound we're after really, what bands are, are going to influence our sound. 
Does a band have a local or social media following? I've got a decent local following. Um, we seem to sell out when we play local, which is good, thankfully. Social media, we're not the best at it, to be honest. <laughs> we might think we are, but we know. What did someone say once? One of our old members, he said, we're the most unprofessional professionals you've ever come across, <laughs> uh, which probably is a great way of describing us. So we mean well. We just always end up not quite doing things right. So, you know, some other people will go, oh, yeah, I've got a social media campaign. We know exactly what we're going to do with it. And they do it. And we, we go, Ooh, we've got a social media campaign. We don't know what we're going to do with it. And we end up not doing it very well. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us something about your latest album release, Strictly Anti-Cabaret? Yeah. It's album number six. Most of it was probably written, in fact, probably was written during lockdown when it was really sunny and we all had lots of time on our hands, lots of time for scribbling down lyrics and stuff so yeah it's taken longer to get out than we'd like but that's again that's not down to the writing as such it's down to getting in the studio because it was locked down and you know you could only have you couldn't meet uh, so we couldn't record really sit and record it properly and whatever but yeah it's gone down really well we've uh, we got it out on um, randale records from germany We've had some really, really good reviews about it. We're happy with it. We think it's got a nice mix of sort of what we're about in terms of, you know, the different styles we, we play. And that's been reflected in what, what feedback we've had. So, yeah, more than happy with it at the moment. I think we're going out to Germany uh, to it. We're going Ireland, I think, about a month. We're going over to Ireland to do a gig over there. So we're just trying to get a few shows now and just get it out there, really. Where do you record your music? The last album was recorded at Riff Factory by a lad called um, Tom Carter. We have recorded um, some good studios over the years. We did the first album, I think, at um, Jailhouse Studios. And then we did some albums at Prism Studios with Sean Lowe. He's, he's a really good, respected um, engineer and, you know, he's a great studio. This last album, yeah, it came out really well. Really pleased with it. As a songwriter, where do you get your inspiration? Do you, do you come up with a melody line first or do you get a few words in your head and you build around them? I've written about loads of different subjects, but probably most of them I've experienced. I don't write, I don't tend to write um, very much like fictional stuff. I tend to write about stuff I've either heard about, seen, or it's happened to me. I was always into squeeze their songwriting and uh, Ian Dury. So I tend to write more like that. I wouldn't say every song like that, but I would say 90% of the songs are I've experienced or you know, more like life's sort of experiences rather than me just sitting down and making a fictional song up. Apart from uh, perhaps going over to Germany, what plans does the band have uh, in the coming months or later this year? We've done a, quite a few gigs recently for... Paul Williams's daughter, Zoe, who's been dealt in some really terrible news. We've done some fundraising gigs, so we've been involved in playing some of them. We're playing a couple of score festivals up and down the place. Um, to be honest, we're not prolific giggers. I think we're, we're bone idle as a band. I think it's why we've lasted so long, because I look at some bands and they're out every weekend. Now, there's no way we could do that and still be together, I don't think. To us, when we do a gig, it's, it's, a, it's an event, it's a day out. I mean, we used to take a buzz load with us wherever we went and, you know, everyone wanted to be like a day out. Um, so it's, it's a hobby to us rather than trying to be a professional band. None of us do it for the money. We've all got jobs. To us, it's a hobby. We just like getting our music out there. We like that people like it or, you know, seem to. So, But we don't do it for monetary gains, really. I mean, you know, we might make 
from beer money off it or whatever, but none of us are going to retire off it. So we don't we don't have to play every weekend because we're not doing it as a job. Gigging is a young man's game, isn't it? If you're going to do it, you're going to do it you know, for money, it's a young man's game. Yeah, I see that. Where can people find your music? Um, we've got a band camp page where all the nature is. Our Facebook page, all the infos are on there. We've got a Zoom group on there. As I say, we've got a link on the page to our band camp. So I think I think that's the biggest platform at the minute for bands, band camps. I think everybody's on there now. Okay, right. Well, it's a good moment to wrap up this interview, Hazza. Thanks so much for being my guest. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, nice to meet you, Ray. Thanks, thanks for inviting us on, mate. It's been it's been great. Thank you. Now is the time for my spotlight segment. And on this episode, I talk about the classic album Synchronicity by The Police. I used to love their music videos. Anyway, by the time The Police released their fifth album in 1983, they were arguably the biggest band in the world. They were Stuart Copeland on drums, Andy Summers guitar, and Sting bass guitar on synths. Synchronicity, the album, was recorded over six weeks at Air Studios in Montserrat. I had to check out on Google Maps to find it being a tiny island in the Caribbean. Anyhow, there had always been tensions in the band and they came to a head in the recording studio, with Sting and Stuart Copeland involved in fisticuffs. At times, Andy Summers was the pacifier stuck in the middle, with producer Hugh Pagham saying Sting and Copeland hated each other. Pagham wanted to be anywhere else than stuck in the studio with the grumpy, warring trio. But what came out of those drama-fueled recording sessions was what would become the band's biggest selling album, its 11 tracks spawned a number of hit singles, Wrapped Around Your Finger, King of Pain, Synchronicity 2, and Every Breath You Take, written by Sting, which became a worldwide hit, including number one in America, Canada and the UK. One track, on the other hand, titled Mother, written by Andy Summers, left music critics and fans collectively hating the song, saying it had no place on the album. Maybe it was the ever-present tensions within the band, but Synchronicity was also the final album they produced. In 1984, two songs off the album won Grammy Awards, with Sting also picking up a Song of the Year Grammy for Every Breath You Take. On the 12th of April this year, the album was added to the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress in America. Air Studios in Montserrat was destroyed by Hurricane Hugo in 1989. It was never rebuilt. Hugo Pagum is still a music producer who has also pocketed four Grammy Awards. Well, that's nice. Andy Summers will be over in America and Canada for most of the year with his Evening with Andy Summers tour. Sting is still performing solo shows as well as getting together with Shaggy again with their One Final Day Festival. As Stuart Copeland has recently produced an album title, The Police Deranged for Orchestra. And with Sting nowhere in sight, he must finally be happy. Coming up is a track taken off the Rough Cut's latest album titled Strictly Anti-Cabaret, and this is Tommy Tenmer. to you, where have all your friends gone from the 
and Tommy Tenman. Thanks again to Hazard for being my guest. On the next episode, my guest will be guitarist Joe Harcourt and vocalist Dave Hutchinson of rock band Three Mile Island. Also bring you music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on the 2004 classic album by Green Day, American Idiot. I think that's everything covered on this episode. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm done. Till next time.